the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. True North, on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. Saturday mornings at 8 or via podcast anytime. Now, let's get into it with your host, Dirk Hobbs. And good morning, Southern Colorado. Welcome to True North. Glad you're with us. Good morning. Take a deep breath. It is a beautiful morning in Southern Colorado. Today is Saturday, July 29th. It's going to be a warm one, so uh, hang in there. Get your early morning walk or ride in and uh, sit back and relax. Uh, Let's have a cup of coffee and and just kind of see what's going on in Southern Colorado for a while. And uh, look, uh, hey, I I just want to remind you of a few things that we're doing. Uh, we've got our Ambassadors for Hope Golf Tournament coming up September 18th. We're running really low on slots, so you want to jump in there. It's at Flying Horse, and you can get some information on how to sign up, what the tournament's all about, because uh, we're doing this with Colorado Springs Orthopedic Group, and we're doing it for the benefit of Reclaiming Hope. And these are the folks that are uh, coming out of human trafficking, and they have uh, uh, a resource in Reclaiming Hope that will help them uh, kind of get back into uh, what we might consider a normal life. So uh, it's a great cause. Uh, we want to supply these folks with uh, these gift bags that are filled with, um, you know, new clothes, new brushes, new new makeup, uh, deodorant, all the all the essentials, and uh, help them take their first first steps back into normality. So it's Ambassadors for Hope COS. Dot com and uh, hope you can make it play hooky that day. Uh, the next thing is we launch our business digest here coming up real soon. And I am so excited. We've got a ton of people coming to the table um, from the industry sectors throughout Southern Colorado who are excited to reconnect and start having a material business conversation for the region. And then we, our job, is to turn that on its on its side and showcase the entire region, the economic development region, to the entire country. And uh, I'm so excited about this. I can't wait to get this kicked off. So if you want more information, give us a call at 719-330-7448 and, uh, or info at coloradomediagroup.com. We're happy to send you a media kit. And uh, if you want to promote your business or have some um, insights into a particular economic sector, or maybe your business is evolving, uh, maybe you're launching a new product, uh, new services, we'd love to hear about it. And we will tell that story to not only the entire region, but anybody who wants to read and listen. So uh, glad you're with us. And we're going we're gonna to take a nice deep breath this morning. We're going to have a, a great conversation with a woman who is... Uh, heading the charge at Copper, and Copper is the cultural office of the Pikes Peak region, and it is it is all things arts. And I'm sitting here with Executive Director Angela Seals. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks uh, for having me, Dirk. No, I'm glad you're here, and congratulations on your appointment. I know Thank it's you. been a while, but uh, for our guests, this might be news. 
So uh, if, if you're familiar with the organization, Andy Vick led the organization for many, many years. And then uh, Andy moved on to a new opportunity. And now Angela has picked up his reign. And now it's your reign. And uh, what are you going to do with this, first of all? That's right. Well, yeah. uh, Dirk, I've worked with the cultural office in a variety of roles since 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about five years into having a staff when I came. Okay. Um, and I've worked under two executive directors. Uh, of the four, I am now the fourth. So I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you, of all people, I think I carry the stewardship of our local arts agency very personally because I've seen the gorgeous people who've come through its staff over the years. I've seen the evolution of its mission as the city and the region grow and Mm -hmm. continue to redefine themselves. And uh, I'm very honored to get a chance to steer the next chapter uh, in the footsteps of Andy, Mm -hmm. Christina, and Bettina, the previous executive directors. And on behalf of and in service to this arts community, which is highly collaborative, really warm. Everyone, you know, really knows each other. It's really a joy Mm -hmm. to serve this art scene. So where are you from? Back, let's back up and get to know Angela a little bit. So where are you from? Well, I moved here from Pittsburgh, where I had worked in arts uh, I knew management I liked you. I knew I liked for you. about a decade. <laughs> and, and that chapter really informs a lot of my arts management practice. I, I've been here for 10 and a half years. Previous to that, I was in Pittsburgh for the previous decade. And in that time, Pittsburgh was going through its what's now called the third renaissance, where mm. it was really coming out of its post-industrial phase and into its robotics and healthcare. Phase and that required a big change in its identity. Yeah, it sure did. It was a new shift in immigration into the city. Now, having identified so much with Eastern European immigration during industrialism, mm-hmm. now um, so much immigration from uh, Asia um, coming into yeah. that city. And so it was an exciting time to be part of the arts because I saw how arts and culture can have such a relevant role in helping a city continually relearn itself, mm-hmm. express itself in new ways, uh, inform the built landscape as a city rebuilds. We were reclaiming brownfields and, and huge industrial spaces at that time uh, and having art parties in them, which was really, really fun before the, before the corporations would come in, we would have, we had a lot of really great arts events in raw spaces. Um, so it really gave me a sense of the arts capacity for reinvention mm-hmm. and the way we can help a city grow that I think now really inform my leadership at the cultural office and our sense of the next um, call to the arts community is to help Colorado Springs continue to see itself, to see itself clearly and to see itself in new ways in the years ahead. Yep. And one of the things I want to plug in right here so we can kind of calibrate the listener's ear to this is, you know, the arts conversation, you know, it, it, it kind of gives you a feeling one way or another. Right. Um, sure. And I mean, everybody has. Why people love it. It makes it, you feel stuff. It makes you feel stuff, right? <laughs> but one of the things we're going to cover today is, you know, the importance and the significance of a thriving arts community as it relates to economic development, mm-hmm. uh, but also just the culture and flavor and flair of a community. Yes. Uh, and it's 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 a good topic, and everybody has some release, some ability to connect with one variation or form or expression of mm-hmm. the arts. And so I want to get into that. But take us um, from your journey to from Pittsburgh mm-hmm. 
you say you were there from for about a decade. I was decade. there for ten years, yeah. Okay. And previous to that, I, I worked in Washington D.C. in the Got arts it. for a year. Mm-hmm. And originally, I I grew up in rural Ohio. Okay. And so a lot of my earliest arts experiences are the field trips where we got to take the bus Absolutely. to the nearest small t- city yeah. and and get to see a community theater play. Okay. Right. So I think the breadth of my arts experience. Um, I studied in London and, and participated a lot in the arts there for part of my undergraduate program. And so um, I've really had the opportunity to participate in and observe the way the arts function in very diverse communities. Mm-hmm. And I, my favorite topic is how it functions in this one. How it functions in this one. So uh, what is what is your background in the arts? Oh, so. yeah. Well, growing up, I was very, very active in visual arts, uh, particularly in illustration and sculpture. I have a theater minor and did theater all through um, up through my undergraduate program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got my degree in literature. So poetry, spoken word and yep. um, what was always part of my life. I think I was trying to put together a, a cultural studies degree uh, in, a, in a school. I went to Grove City College um, in Western Pennsylvania, uh, which is a Christian school some of your listeners may know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, really had a, a high level of classical uh, liberal arts education at that small mm-hmm. private um, undergraduate Perfect. program. And so, and so I really participated in all different kinds of things growing up, but I, was, I think I was always looking through these different mediums at how people were telling their stories and understanding themselves through those art, okay. those art mediums. And, and so I think there's really a through line into my arts management practice. I don't currently perform or, um, or make, I think my, even though it's wonky, <laughs> it's a lot of policy and it's a lot of meetings and committees and things. I think this is really where I'm spinning my creativity right now and pouring myself is, is kind of how we amplify creatives overall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you get the phone call from Colorado Springs. Is that how it works? Or were you looking for a new opportunity from Pittsburgh? My husband um, was recruited by TRG Arts, which is a a fabulous international arts consulting firm that has its headquarters here in Colorado Springs. So um, that was the call to come out. And we were really interested uh, in a new city that was in the fight, like the mid-sized city that's in its fight for itself is a place where I really... Feel um, nourished and excited about working. Yep. Uh, and Pittsburgh had kind of come into the place where uh, we were waiting in long lines for brunch, you know, and <laughs> yeah. had kind of arrived. Yeah. And we were starting to feel uh, like, oh, all right, well, where's the next next story to be part of mm-hmm. a grassroots movement in the arts? And and when I came here and got to know people in the arts community, uh, I really saw the incredible um, threshold that it was at. Yeah. And excited to be part of that. And so you got the call. Moved out here. Mm-hmm. And when was that? 2013, February of 2013. Okay, so you've mm-hmm. seen a little bit here. You've you've gone a few cycles, and uh, you know we've had some ups and downs in our economy in this mm-hmm. in this region. And most recent, you know, obviously the 08 crash and bubble. You probably experienced that back in, back in Pittsburgh. Yes, uh, but out here, I mean, it it really became quiet out here for quite a while. And then we started to see a lot of economic vitality, uh, especially when Southers came on board as mm-hmm. mayor. Uh, in 2015, like, mm-hmm. uh, we started to see this real in- incline. I mean, you could just sense the whole region was ready for mm-hmm. prime time mm-hmm. and it was going to grow. And so with that growth came a lot of, um, you know, animosity about what's this going to do to our town and mm-hmm. how is it going to shift? And, 
you know, and, and so the, you know, the guard, so to speak, kind of put its arms around mm. the old community and, uh, you know, kind of dug in a little bit. But then we saw just a, a great adoption of new and improved uh, in terms of employers and other things coming in. And with that comes uh, a, a more robust and diverse art community, mm-hmm. which is really kind of cool. So we're hanging out with uh, Angela Seals, and she is the executive director. She's the boss lady at Copper, and that is Cultural Office of the Pikes Peak Region. She and I are going to do a deep dive in the next three quarters on what the arts community really means for this region. And do we have a particular personality as it relates to the arts? So think of other communities you've been to when you've been immersed in their culture and you've seen uh, and felt all the different aspects of their culture come alive, whether you're in a restaurant or a bar or a hotel or somebody's home. I mean, it just tends to be all around you. And uh, I'm heading heading to Charleston, South Carolina this week. And I can tell you, when you go there, there's just a feel. There's a sense on almost every corner you take. What is that for Colorado Springs? And I think we're starting to dial into that a little bit by a little bit here. So we're back in a moment with Angela Seals. I got a nightmare phone call that no parent wants to receive. Someone hit me going 60 miles an hour. Dr. Ramos uh, came highly recommended. When I showed him the x-rays, he immediately knew exactly what was wrong. We've had a tremendous experience with Ramos Law. Really, I could not be happier. Having the car accident was an accident. Finding Ramos Law was no accident. Injured in a car accident? Ramos Law can help. RamosLaw.com. All right, we're back. True North. It is July 29th. It is going to get warm today, folks. Drink lots of water. But you're listening to True North. I'm Dirk Hobbs, your host. Uh, Hey, I want to give a quick shout out to Ramos Law. Uh, It's because of Ramos Law. And this is a very unique firm, and I'm really, really proud to be a partner with them. Uh, This is headed up by Dr. Joe Ramos. And uh, he is, first of all, he's just one of the nicest guys you'll meet. And he's got a great crew down here in Colorado Springs. But they look at... Um, in, instances that happen to us when we get hurt, whether it's in a car or at work or someplace else, uh, it's not just through a legal lens. It's through a medical lens. And it is um, really quite special what they do. But they help us underwrite this program, and they help uh, us go meet people like Angela Seals, who is the executive director at Copper, the cultural office of the Pikes Peak region. And uh, you can look them up online, and we'll get to how we – contact them and take a look at what they're doing but two of their major properties are peakradar.com and then arts month which is coming up here in october that's right so i want to get to those but before we do let's let's calibrate the audience's um, thoughts around the terms and definitions around the arts discussion Uh, because you can easily go into well that's just that that arts group over there right Mm -hmm. but it's a lot more sophisticated than that and that arts group contributes to why a lot of companies want to come to this region and stay and staying is important, especially for our young folks. Cause this, this community in particular has had one of those uh, reputations uh, for young people in particular, where they kind of ricochet out of here, mm-hmm. right? They spend a little time here, but then they ricochet out cause they're looking for that stimulus. Um, we're starting to develop that here in Southern Colorado. We've got a more sophisticated entertainment realm mm-hmm. e- emerging 
And we also have a more sophisticated arts discussion in general. So the performing arts, visual arts, and so forth. But where would you start helping people understand, Angela, where it is? Um, I mean, we can really start to put our arms around the arts discussion. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, Colorado Springs and the Pikes Peak region have been tracking in our evolution on these terms with the rest of the nation and understanding that, um, you know, we used to talk about arts and culture uh, with quite a Eurocentric uh, bent, um, looking at historically white art forms uh, that would be considered maybe the the high art, fine art forms, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about ballet, orchestra, uh, visual arts as they live within a museum or a gallery. And the evolution has been to really understand creative practice far beyond that in many, many different cultures and identities within American life. And so we talk about creative community often now. And that is inclusive of arts and culture of all kinds, including street art, including cultural practice from all different backgrounds um, and and new art forms in the digital sphere, right? So it's very broad, even just to say the arts. Arts, culture, entertainment, and creative industries. And we must remember that there's a very big part of the arts community that is not nonprofit. Um, and that the development of creative business and a creative workforce is part of a healthy economy and mm. part of, uh, as you mentioned, Dirk, talent retention, talent attraction, in, but also of the economy itself. Mm. And there is an economic impact to all of this, including the nonprofits. We know um, that the arts nonprofits generate profound economic impact in this community, even though it is small, um, because the materials it purchases as it produces work, the people who work in all of our venues, uh, and we're continuing to grow in this community in the types of jobs that you can hold in Mm -hmm. the creative economy here. As we have venues like Sunset Amphitheater, as the City Odd stands up workforce development, as Production Point in northern El Paso um, stands up new jobs in media production and sound recording and film so uh, it's really something that's been a fast change, even in the past 10 years. Yeah. So help help me understand, like, when you go to Santa Fe, there's an innate sense. Mm. When you're there, you, you know you're in Santa Fe. I mean, yep. it's, every, it's the color palette mm-hmm. that you see almost yeah. throughout. That's a lot of, ch- of intentional choices okay. that they have made over time. Okay. And they actually kind of, they track together. Colorado Springs was the new Taos at one point. I mean. Really? Yeah. And, I, that's and the, the first I've heard People from that. the Broadmoor Art Academy yeah. um, were, who founded the Fine Arts Center and included Alice Bemis Taylor and some of the other folks who were central to the founding of our city, uh, were reacting to what was happening in Santa Fe and Taos and, and f- directly seeing that as competition and forming something here in a creative community. Huh. The difference is the choices that those two cities made in the intervening time. Uh, Santa Fe made a lot of choices about its built landscape. Okay. That included zoning and permissions and colors yeah. and architectural styles, and it preserved a lot yeah. of its artistic history that have helped it to retain that identity. Where Little London, as um, uh, General Palmer and Elsie Palmer liked to call this, they always saw Colorado Springs as being a cultural center in the West. Um, but we have made a lot of other decisions uh, about prioritizing what is new, prioritizing growth. Uh, and sprawling in ways that that have made our city feel very different. It does. There's feel a lot different. of other reasons, but no. I'll, but and I want to get into those. But th- there's 
I appreciate that because that's that's one of the things that you you know as you're cruising from south to north or north to south in Colorado Springs in particular, uh, you you see different architecture. You mm-hmm. see it feels different from the north to the yeah. central part of town, and then you know even Pueblo. I've I've often mentioned this to a lot of people that um, are very versed in this particular category. You know, even Pueblo has a sense and a feel about it. And in some ways, their arts community seems like it's a little more on a rail and, and intentional there yeah. than it has been in the past here. And I'm wondering, what, what are some of the – Is first of all, is it too late for us to kind of envision and maybe capture some of what mm. those early founders saw yeah. as a potential? In Pueblo, you feel the architecture. You yeah. feel the presence of historic buildings, and you feel the presence of industrial architecture very notably mm-hmm. on the Front Range – um, the fact that the mills are there and that the housing around the mills are there, um, yeah. I feel coming from Pittsburgh. Kind of like Pittsburgh, right? right. Yeah. Um, and that post-industrial grit and the way it affects a culture yeah. um, can be deeply creative. And I, I, growing up near the Rust Belt and working in the Rust Belt, I know what that feels like. So I feel that in Pueblo as well. <laughs> in Colorado Springs, you know, our downtown uh, during urban renewal uh, really tore down quite a few of our important historical buildings downtown. And so I think when you're in Colorado Springs, what you feel is the newness of the architecture, mm-hmm. particularly in the urban core, where often that is preserved. Yeah. Um, and when they built the Olympic and Paralympic Museum, I yeah. was so excited to see exciting architecture. Right. I believe we must hold ourselves to building a city that is as beautiful as our landscape. Absolutely. And we often don't. And we often um, go for what just looks like our peers. Mm-hmm. And that uh, goes against the sense of distinct place here. Uh, it's hard in a city of this size. Um, and this, when I say size, I don't just mean three quarters of a million people. I mean this mileage. Yeah. Yeah. We're a big geographic area. To preserve area. a sense. And nor do I think we, I think that's actually part of who we are. Right? We can't necessarily have a highly centralized mm-hmm. community when this is what we live in. Is yeah. this, what is it, 80 some square miles. Yeah. Um, and But what we can do is fight for... Uh, neighborhood culture. Okay. And fight for a distinct sense of place in where we live in our different pockets and own the fact that if we vibrate in Northeast Colorado Springs and that's our land, um, I think often we will fight with each other. Well, why should I have to go there? Why, right. why don't you know what's going on in my part of the community? And I, I think <laughs> we should start to embrace the vitality of our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked Matt Mayberry that once. Matt is our, our city historian, uh, the head of the Pioneers Museum, a great storyteller about who Colorado Springs has been and who we're becoming. I said, what will save us when it comes to feeling like we live in a real place? We were having this conversation, yeah. and Matt said, it's the neighborhoods. If the, neighbor, if the neighborhoods can be vital yeah. and feel like real, nourished, distinct places that know themselves, then they become that quilt that becomes a city. Um, and that's a different style of city. But at least it's not generic completely. And you have a sense of place, even if it's different from the north to the south to the east to the west, it's essentially going to have to be. So we have some of that in Manitou. Sure. And we have also made a lot of great choices about their creative placemaking. But we also have that a little bit on the old north end, right? I mean, with painted ladies in the Victorian Mm -hmm. homes, the big trees, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and you know, a lot of this is neighborhood groups who stand up and say the kind of community they want to live in. 
town monument has this incredible public art collection and monument and yeah. that was entirely funded by the neighbors huh. um tri lakes views yeah. um stood up uh an annual public art exhibition where they started to get they had sometimes um 80 applications from all over the country to install huh. art for a year in the town of monument and all of that was funded by the community now it lives inside of Town of Monument. But sure. I think that kind of story is, is powerful because it means that we all can say the kind of community we want to live in and we need to have more agency and not as much critique of the decision makers maybe yeah. and a little more sometimes personal um, responsibility for making Colorado Springs what we want. Well, I appreciate that. And I do want to go back to the question, is it too late? Mm. Uh, because you're right, the urban sprawl piece – uh, I mean, we've grown really fast, and so there's a lot of – we've blanched out a lot of some of that old north end, yeah. and there wasn't a continuance there. And then, and you're right, there's this huge rooftop jungle between old north and monument. Yeah. And so I want to get back to that when we come back. I'm sitting with Angela Seals, executive director of Copper, uh, cultural office of the Pikes Peak region. I have one question for you. Before we go, what's your jam song when you're cruising around town? Oh, let's hear some Bon Jovi. I love living on a prayer. Roll down the windows. and events that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. We got a And we're back here, second half of True North. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. Welcome to AM 1460 and 101.1 FM, The Answer. You are listening to Salem Media, and I'm hanging out with Angela Seals, who is the executive director and a very passionate artist herself, as well as an executive in the arts. And she is helping us get a handle on some of the topics that actually are more integral to a successful and thriving arts community. And folks, we are really deliberately and intentionally trying to connect the dots here in our minds and in our overall behavior as it relates to the arts, to economic development, and to a life well-lived in Southern Colorado. And we do have a, a unique personality in this region. In fact, we have several unique characteristics, personalities, tastes, flavors, uh, but Colorado Springs is often in particular, uh, this is not so true for Pueblo, Monument, and Manitou Springs, even Woodland Park and Trinidad and some of the southern Colorado communities. Uh, but it is for Colorado Springs. It tends to be considered, quote unquote, a kind of a white bread town uh, sometimes. And it's just very neutral and, and, and uh, very politically correct sometimes. And what I would encourage us to see, like when you go to Miami or you go to Palm Springs or Santa Fe or Charleston or other places, even Pittsburgh, and you see and feel the architecture, the color palette, the smells, the food, everything has an essence uh, that stems from its origins. And so what are our origins here? You know, we had a railroad community here. We had a lot of frontiersmanships and pioneerships here. And is that still coming through 
Angela? I mean, is that part of our artistic identity or is, is there a lot more to it? I think there's a lot more to it. And I think a lot of the healthiest arts communities that you were describing um, comes from a sense of freedom of expression, freedom of diverse expression, celebration of that. Mm -hmm. That takes courage. It takes rigor. Mm -hmm. It takes uh, an appetite for risk. Mm -hmm. And I believe we we have all of those things, um, but I think we have underinvested underinvested yeah, I would for agree. most of our history mm-hmm. in our cultural life. But the early founders, I mean, they saw yeah, this as tough. little London. Yeah. 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 They saw it as an extremely worthy investment to build. As we said earlier, a city as beautiful as its landscape. And they uh, also understood some of the founders, the cultural richness of the communities that had lived here for thousands of years mm-hmm. before. Right. Colorado Springs. And that's part of why the Fine Arts Center has the incredible collection that it does of Native American and Southwest art. Right. It's because from the beginning, um, some people in the community recognized that we follow in culturally rich footsteps. Um, but uh, over time, I, th- I think we continue to, to kind of be in a war with ourselves about how much <laughs> we want that yeah. and how much we're willing to have it cost us for what we will gain. And I think it's very much worth investment. What's the fear? What's the, what's, what's the, the, the sense of we don't want to go there? Um, I think we have felt some power in homogeneity mm-hmm. and in a fairly homogenous identity okay. as Colorado Springs. And um, we're going to talk about Arts Vision 2030 yeah. here this morning, which is the new 10-year cultural plan. And that was forged during the pandemic and also during 2020, during yeah. the racial reckoning that summer yeah. oh, of George Floyd's death and his murder. Mm-hmm. And so uh, very much that this new cultural plan uh, acknowledges that only as much as we can truly see ourselves as a diverse identity will we understand who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we invest differently, as we invest in the culturally diverse parts of Colorado Springs, then we have the restaurants and the music and the performing arts and the street art and the things that we love when we visit other places. Mm-hmm. But are we brave enough to really invest in here? And will we support it when it stands up? Will we drive to Southeast? Will we drive to downtown? Will we drive to the West Side where a lot of arts and culture is centered in this community? Will we drive there and support it when, they, when they're standing up shows when they're trying to sell tickets uh, or will we only go to Cinemark? <laughs> will we, will we, when we choose to only decorate our homes with art from Bed Bath & Beyond, mm-hmm. um, we're making a choice and it does affect the community. Mm-hmm. Now, that's interesting. And, you know, a lot of new folks, upwards of 50,000 people have moved into El Paso County over the last three years. So there was something of a great migration sure. from those places mm-hmm. uh, that we've talked about. Certainly the Pacific Coast, Texas, and even some from the East Coast. Yes. And um, with that came a lot of liquidity. <laughs> Let's just put it. And a lot of great questions. To put it bluntly, Where is it? Where is it? Right. And I love, I love yeah. um, the new perspectives that have come into yeah. the community and that are saying, well, wh- why not? Why, you know, wh- why don't we see the arts as a critical part of tourism here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is just normal right. everywhere. Um, and I think we're getting there. 
but um, but we have we have seen it as a fringe cherry on top of our community, and I think um, increasingly we have to understand the way that the arts are woven through our community health, our mental health, mm-hmm. social health. Um, our and our economy, our tourism, and our creative industries. Well, from a national perspective, and this this data is a few years old, but it's it's probably not much different statistically speaking. Uh, but as of 2020, it was a 919.7 billion dollar industry, and this is the arts, quote unquote, mm-hmm. kind of Nationally. all all encompassing, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. a national statistics, and that's 4.3 percent of the nation's economy. At that point. So give or take a few percentage point or a few fractional percentage points there. But that's five and, you know, five and a third or five and a quarter million jobs nationwide. Now, how's that boil down locally? Well, in the Pikes Peak region, maybe 5,100 jobs and $153 million in fusion. Mm-hmm. Now, you take that out of our conversation. Let's let's put the rubber on the road here, so to speak. And we've got... We've got $153 million generated by nonprofit arts culture sector in the Pikes Peak region. That's a pretty substantial number. And that's just the nonprofit. You know, one of the things we're working on at the cultural office is trying to get the the full number. Yeah. Uh, Because they don't have the number that includes the creative businesses. That's correct. Yeah. So, um, yes, we're very proud of that number. Yeah. Uh, And when people say that nonprofits are a drag on the economy, it's important (laughs) that we all remember. Right. But they are employing people and infusing a great deal of vitality into the economy. And they're also doing some very heavy lifting that we don't do with government services in this community because we believe in small government in Colorado Springs. Right. So our nonprofit community is is sometimes doing double that's time. Right. Yeah, that's um, true. In, in meeting the needs of the region. Yep. So from an arts perspective, I mean, we're starting to see more and more diversity in the in the kinds of arts that yes, we have Yes, absolutely here. we are. Okay, so it's not just the art gallery per se. Um, we're seeing performing arts. We're seeing real unique and intrinsic uh, intrinsically unique shows that have a different flavor, a different feel to them. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see the culinary arts emerge. Oh, we're yeah. starting to see more, like you said earlier about the uh, Olympic Museum, different architecture. Uh, our museum is very unique looking. So... I like that personally. I mean, I come from the East Coast, South Florida, but um, I love that I can get a different sense for those kinds of things. And I think a lot of people that are coming here and have been here have looked for that as well. Uh, what other what what are some of the emerging genres, if you will, mm-hmm. of the arts that you see emerging here? Well, I think you're absolutely right about. Um, well, actually, I'm going to back up a second and say I think what you just said very confidently is open for debate. I, I have a lot of people debate me about whether anything's going on here. And <laughs> so I, I would just like to say we should not take for granted that your listeners or people in our region own how much happens here or are proud of it. And That's they should be, yeah. um, the, you know, the place where you can go to get a great look at what's unfolding in arts, culture and entertainment is peakradar.com, our region's cultural calendar. It's a program of the cultural office and it's one of the largest websites of its kind in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, we has, uh, over a thousand organizations that post events. We have about 4,000 events a year. Um, 4,000. Yeah. 
That's a lot of activity. Uh, and you can search, you know, all different kinds. Uh, you, you can search for family fun. You can search outdoors. You can search sports. It, we really are a leisure leisure website. But the heart and the mission of it is to support arts and culture. And where I think you'll see growth, if you looked at Peak Radar today versus Peak Radar when it launched uh, in 2007, you would see um, much more diversity of who's putting on work. I think in our community you see um, really growth in theater. Mm -hmm. um, And particularly there is theater happening all over the region in non-traditional spaces. Mm -hmm. And our churches are playing an important role in hosting performing arts here. Which I think is really special about our community. We have a lot of live music that happens outside in the summer. Sure does. I think particularly impressive that you can see live music every night of the week in neighborhoods all over the region. So that's a very decentralized thing because it happens in parks. And uh, it's a a sign that people come here because they love this landscape and they love to see art out in the landscape. So outdoor live music. Um, You know, I think when we look at the next 10 years, we're going to see my my hope and, and what I'm sensing from where we sit at the cultural office is the emergence of more and more power from artists of color as they receive more investment and support uh, more and more from our local film industry and multimedia production. Yes. Continued growth in culinary arts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's some very interesting things emerging in Teller County, Uh, particularly Victor is is planting its flag Mm -hmm. uh, in some, uh, some really cool maker culture, um, some steampunk culture, and some really fun fringe uh, art forms that, you know, Colorado Springs probably couldn't pull off. So. How about that? I want to get into that a Go little more. Go Teller County. Go Teller County. All right. We're hanging out with Angela Seals, Executive Director at Copper uh, Cultural Office of the Pikes Peak Region. We're going to come back and give you some firm contact information on how you can get involved financially or just as a participant an observer of the arts here in Southern Colorado. Back in a minute. One critical fact that needs to be established is that your injuries were caused by the accident incident you were involved in. For your case to have merit, it must be made clear that had you not been in the crash in the first place, you wouldn't have been hurt. This is one of the most important steps in the entire process, and leaving it to anyone but an expert is a serious mistake. Ramos Law, doctor, lawyer, partner, combining medical and legal knowledge for better outcomes for you. All right, we are back here in the fourth quarter with True North. I am your host, Dirk Hobbs, sitting here with Angela Seals, Executive Director of the Cultural Office of the Pikes Peak Region. If you don't know where they are, they are downtown in the Plaza of the Rockies. And you guys are underwritten by, is it Norwood? Norwood you know, was Norwood, the original building? Norwood it gives us our space in kind, which is an incredible support for the arts community and was one of our founding supporters mm-hmm. of the Cultural Office. I think Norwood really understands the role that arts and culture plays in real estate development and in placemaking. Yeah, placemaking. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's very intentional. Um, all right. So, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to hand you the football here. And uh, what I want you to do is really help the folks dial in to how not only they can engage copper, but supporting with our feet and our wallets, you know, the arts community. Go and attend the Myriad 4,000. 
events over the course of a year, folks. That That's not a small undertaking. And that's everything from the small performance art in the streets to huge gallery openings to, you know, semi-world-class and world-class performances all throughout town uh, at, at one of our major venues like the End Center, Pikes Peak Center, and so forth. So I really want to hand it over to you and help the folks dial in on what we can do uh, to support what you guys are doing and help us understand Arts Vision 3030 a little more and what you want to accomplish there. Well, Arts it's Arts Vision 2030. 2030. What did I say? 3030? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a, a millennium of vision. I don't think even <laughs> I have that. Uh, Arts Vision 2030 is the region's 10-year cultural plan. You can find it on the Cultural Office's website, which is culturaloffice.org. Uh, and uh, and I hope that folks who read it and explore its declarations, because it you it, it, it decided the arts community decided not to do it as goals, but as declarations mm-hmm. of our aspiration. I think is a real moment, right? Of in a time of great growth, of our community starting to make some really clear decisions about who we want to be. And I think we have to see arts and culture as part of that. If you have just moved here or if you have lived here for a long time and you feel that you want it to be a certain kind of clear place like Dirk and I have been discussing, then you've got to get involved. It doesn't just keep existing, particularly during the pandemic and post-pandemic our arts and culture community, whether it's nonprofit or creative businesses, have been in a fight for their lives. And they're fighting for, you know, who who this city is going to be in the future and who will come here to work and who will come here for their vacation. And we're an intrinsic part of all of that, as well as really working deeply with our residents mm-hmm. um, in mental health and uh, wellness in ways that um, are incredibly important in the past three years. So, so if you're passionate about that or you're starting to catch a vision for it, I would encourage you to start to get more involved. Peakwriter.com is a great place to start because there's so much there that you can explore, including public art directories with maps to find public art near you, organization directories to find groups you'd like to volunteer with, donate to, or get involved with yourself. Come on, audition. Mm-hmm. Come That's on, right. take a class. That's right. <laughs> Get back into it. Yeah. It's okay if you haven't been there for a while. You'll find that the arts community here is very welcoming. It's one of the things I love about working in it is um, it's not uh, the same as a highly competitive market. It really it has uh, so many tiers where people just enjoy making music together or just enjoy putting on musicals together, uh, you know, or up and up into equity actors, up into professional Philharmonic that we should all be really proud of as well. Indeed. So um, in that spectrum, there's a place for you. And we do hope too, that you'll see the role of cultural office in advocating for these intentional choices uh, about who we want to be. And it requires a local arts agency. When the cultural office was founded in 2006, we were the largest city in the United States without a professionally staffed cultural office. It was something that the community got together and yeah. formed mm-hmm. because they realized really to get to the next level, to, to get to the next level of the video game, mm-hmm. we needed to have an entity at that 30,000 foot level that was having these conversations. During. Mm-hmm. We're a nonprofit. Uh, we serve El Paso and Teller counties. And uh, if you'd like to learn more, you can go to culturaloffice.org, and we would love to help you get more involved in arts and culture here. And we would love to receive your support, either as an individual donor or a corporate sponsor, in our new work. We're starting a, a new chapter of that work with my leadership 
where we're going to be looking primarily at three program verticals, cultural promotion and tourism, some of which we've done this morning on the show, mm-hmm. creative economy, which we've been talking about here on the show, and also education, where we're going to be looking at how we develop creatives from K through 12 to early professions to leadership development. So uh, if, those, if those topics connect with you, we hope you'll learn more and get connected. And how do we do that? Um, you can go to culturaloffice.org. You can email us at info at culturaloffice.org. Uh, you can explore at peakradar.com. And I, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention Arts Month because <laughs> October is National Arts and Humanities Month. You know, all over the United States, you'll find different levels of emphasis of that. Mm-hmm. Here, we have just decided that is our moment to get loud as an arts community to raise the visibility of the value for the arts. And so we have here in our region one of the largest celebrations of National Arts and Humanities Month in the country, mm-hmm. easily. Beautiful. Easily. There's yeah. usually over 300 events in 31 days. Okay. So there's lots to get involved in. We're uh, the 10th annual Arts Month this October. And so we always encourage everyone to have try something new. Do something one new. new thing. Yep. Whatever that looks like for you. Uh, and be adventurous. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid. Yep. And just have an appetite and a curiosity. Well, it's one thing to go for a ride and garner the gods. It's another thing to go to a show or a performance or a gallery uh, or even partake in that yourself. Get your hands dirty in a clay class. I mean, that's actually a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, try your hand at illustration or painting. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be a Monet right out of the gate. I mean, we all start somewhere. A lot of us believe it's good for our children. Yeah. And then we stop believing. But then we stop believing. That it's good for us. That's a very good point. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that. And as an artist myself, I think I shared with you, I, I used to travel the country and paint murals all mm. over the place. So uh, I've got art here at the U.S. Taekwondo centers and several homes in the Broadmoor on their ceilings. And uh, I've got paint in my eyes, so to speak. So, um, <laughs> But I appreciate this. And it doesn't make me an odd or weird duck. At least I don't think so. It, and if it does, that's kind of cool. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't want to be boring. Yeah, well, I Boring is a and me don't often collide in the same <laughs> sentence. But um, how about the corporate mm. world out there mm. in the business world? How yeah. can we support you? Well, I think uh, it would be incredible if our business community came up behind our new creative economy program mm-hmm. at the cultural office. Okay, um, we're still standing that up but i think there is so much power in the creative industries that is yet to be tapped here mm-hmm. and we know that our arts community has a powerful audience yeah. educated and um, engaged and the people who do stuff are the people who do stuff right, right? Mm-hmm. so if they are out on the saturday night if they are out on a first friday if they are participating in arts and culture across the region then they are the people who are going to be your you know potentially your clients, your audience, your uh, staff and board members as well. So tap into arts and culture here and understand its power. I think sponsoring a creative economy program at the cultural office has the biggest ripple effect. Um, And there's also a fund for the arts at Pikes Peak Community Foundation. If businesses want to come alongside that, that's also something that we've been trying to grow for years as Mm -hmm. a support to local arts and culture. It's really strategic 
strategic in its allocation, and the Community Foundation is a trusted entity uh, for both individual and corporate giving as well. So I would commend that to anyone. And then folks can become a member of your organization? No, the cultural office is not member-based. So we exist for everyone who's here, um, but we are... Um, really interested in, in building our guild program, uh, which is $1,000 donors and, and up. Uh, we're going to be redesigning that to be really engaging. We're going to take you on some really fun creative field trips throughout the year, help you get to know each other and the creative community more deeply mm-hmm. uh, and support it relevantly through the cultural office. Yep. And we really just scratched the surface here because I have a passion for the arts in the media world. Uh, I really want to see, and we had the folks from production pointing here not long ago, mm, Linda Weiss great. has been in talking about a lot of the programs there. And again, fostering that uh, early professional development of people who want to get out there and express themselves mm-hmm. in a variety of different mediums. Mm-hmm. I personally see a great film community opportunity here mm-hmm. in this community. And I'm sure uh, that, you know, we're starting to distance ourselves from some of the things that have happened uh, or the perceptions that were of the past. So last call to action. Pikes Peak, uh, Culture Office of the Pikes Peak Region, website, phone number, email. Right. Go. Learn more about us at culturaloffice.org. Learn more about your arts community at peakradar.com. You can call us at 719-634-2204. And drop me an email. I'll give you my personal email is Angela at culturaloffice.org. I'd love to hear from you and help you get connected. That is absolutely wonderful. And come back because I know you guys are about to get a study uh, completed right. here in the next few months. So come back and unpack some of the findings that you had. Fair enough? Absolutely. Arts and Economic Prosperity Study is released October 12th. We'd love to talk more about it. Let's do that. All right, folks. I'm Dirk Hobbs. Uh, you've been listening to True North and Angela Seals from the Colorado office or uh, cultural office of the Pikes Peak region. And um, I'm going to leave you today. And this is my little tip of the hat to Jason Aldean. Try that in a small town. to True North with your host, Dirk Hobbs, Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.